Come on, would you pray with me? Father, we're so thankful for the opportunity to be in your house today. God, you know every one of our hearts, you know our circumstance, our situations. You know what keeps us up at night. You know the struggles we're already facing in the new year. But God, what a beautiful name. The name above every name. There's power in the name of Jesus. And God, we welcome you in this place. Holy Spirit, we ask you to move in this place. We ask you, Father, to initiate our faith this morning in this place through the preaching of your word. We thank you in advance for what you're going to do this morning. We love you, Jesus. For it's in your name we ask and we pray. Come on now. And everybody said, amen, amen. You may be seated. So good morning. It's good to see you guys. I want to welcome you here in the house today. I want to welcome everybody watching online. We want to welcome the Grayson Campus. Come on, can we get it for the Grayson Campus this morning? They're getting ready to launch in two weeks, which is going to be amazing. We're so excited for you guys. In fact, look at the person beside us. I'm glad you're here today. Come on, tell them. Glad you made it out today. It's going to be a good day. Now, some of you may be asking, I just want to take a moment, just kind of commercial break real quick. Uh, what happens, I know because a lot of us are new, or maybe at the other campus, uh, well, at Grayson, a lot of us are new. You say, what happens if it snows? How do I know if church gets canceled? Well, you know, I, I, we do everything our very best not to cancel church, especially whenever uh, we were portable. We still, if we could get the trailers there, we would have uh, church wherever we were located. But if you're here and you're wondering, how do I get in touch with someone, how do I know? Just want to let you know that by 8 o'clock on Sunday morning, you can go to our website, our Facebook account, or Twitter, and we will post exactly no later by 8 a.m. what's taking place. So just in case you wake up one morning and there's snow on the ground, like, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? Just go to our website and we'll let you know what service we may cancel. But either way it happens, we're still going to try to get something to you. I got a truck, so if I got to get in here and preach and you watch me at home online, we're going to have church some form of fashion. So just in case you're concerned about that, just go to our website and we'll help you out. We'll tell you what your next steps to take with that. Okay, part two of this new series called Fresh Faith. And last week we talked about what do you do when your faith and your doubt collides? What do you do when you believe, but you also have unbelief? And if you missed last week, I want to encourage you to go back and watch it because most of us live there, right? Can I believe you can? <laughs> I just don't know if you will. I think you're going to fix it, but I don't know if you're going to come through. We've all been there before. So I want to encourage you, if you missed last week, please go and check that out because I think it will encourage your faith to help you realize that you can have, watch this, imperfect faith. It's not about the amount of my faith I have, but it's the genuineness of my faith to see God move in my life and perform miracles. Now, kind of our, our theme verse for this series, it's found in Hebrews chapter 1. And you can turn there. We're going to go a couple passages here back to Matthew chapter 14. But, but Hebrews chapter 11. I want you to, here's the definition, the biblical definition of faith. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, not wishful thinking, like I just hope, you know, this may happen, or I just hope that Alabama would win. Psych, they did. And by the way, it was a good week. Come on, all right? All right, good. So you don't watch football. But anyway, it was a good week. And if you're a Bama fan, you can just roll on out of here. You know what I'm saying? I'm just kidding. Roll tide, right? Anyway, I'm just messing with you. We're glad you're here anyway. But faith is things you hope for, right? Things that I hope for, but it's the evidence. It's the conviction of things that I cannot See, I love this. Faith is acting like God is telling the truth. That's what faith is. You know that? Faith is, I'm just going to act like what God said 
is true. I love what the old preacher said about faith. The old preacher used to say, faith is acting like it is so, even when it's not so, in order that it might be so, just because God said so. <laughs> that's good right there, man. I mean, that'll preach. It's like, okay, I'm ready for the invitation. You know what I'm saying? I mean, that's some good stuff right there. But the reality is your faith is only as good as the substance that it is placed in, that, that, that the assurance that you have your faith in. And that word assurance is, is kind of a real estate term. It means a title deed. That means I have proof, assurance, I have access to that property. Well, faith is, is what I put my faith in has the assurance that I have access to the promise or the word that God gives me. And we find out last week in Hebrews chapter 12 that Jesus is our assurance. He's the title deed. He's the one we put our hope and our faith in. And so many people put their faith in faith and not their faith in the object of their faith, the perfecter of our faith, which is Jesus. It's a good place to say amen right there. That's where we put our faith in, in Jesus. And he says, we do this, and remember this was kind of sum up the whole message last week. We do that by fixing our eyes on Jesus. What do I do when I believe one day, but I doubt the next day? I keep my eyes on Jesus. But I want to read a little bit more of Hebrews chapter 11, because if you, if you study faith, Hebrews chapter 11 is the hall of fame of faith. I mean, it's got like the big dogs in there. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you got Moses and Sarah and Noah. I mean, you got all these heroes of the faith. And so Hebrews chapter 11 defines faith, and then it demonstrates the faith of the old time saints all the way through Hebrews 11. And then in chapter 12, it says, now they did this. They ran their race. They ran their lane with faith by keeping their eyes on Jesus. But this kicks off what I want to talk about today, because if you like Bible, so we're going to have a good one today. I believe so. So it says in verse 1, Hebrews 11, verse 1, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things that I cannot see. For by it, it's what's it, by faith, that's what it is. For by faith, the people of old, they received this. And we, they talk about in Hebrews chapter 11, all the old timers of faith. Verse 3, by faith, we understand, this is so fascinating. I love this, Pastor Jacob. This is so fascinating. Is that he goes immediately back to creation. Like by faith, Noah did this. By faith, Abraham. By faith, Sarah. By faith, Rahab. By faith, David. And go all this. But before we even jump in, let's go back to the beginning. Because all of it was by faith. He said, by faith, we understand the cosmos, the universe, the worlds that we see, the planets, the stars. By faith, the universe was created by the word. This is so important here. By the word of God, so that what is seen, the stars, the moons, the planets, the universe, the cosmos, for what is seen was made not of things that were visible. And what he's trying to say is what we see was made out of things unseen that none of us could see. Why could you not see it? Because it was in the breath, the rhema, the word of God. It was in him when he spoke and flung the stars into existence. I mean, fact, honestly, I'm not being mean about it, but you got to go to college to become an evolutionist. I mean, you got to go get educated with the enlightenment and philosophy and what the world wants to say about this because the world says if you can't quantify it, if you can't slice it, dice it, touch it, see it, then it's not true. You see, the world wants you to walk by sight. And since the enlightenment era and everything that's came in, people now want to walk by sight. I got to see it to believe it. 
But my Bible tells me, and the Apostle Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians 5, 7 is this. For we walk by faith, not by sight. So how do I walk by faith in a world that's doing everything in its power for me to be bent to walk by sight? How do I walk by faith in my own life? Now, I have a disclaimer for you this morning. And here's a disclaimer. Without a consistent walk with Jesus, you will walk by sight, not by faith. If you don't have a, listen to me, a consistent walk with Jesus, you already by default will be walking by sight with panic and fear, and things of the world, and everything that happens in the economy, and everything that's tied to the stock market, and everything that goes up and down, and every time you hear something on the TV and on the media, all of a sudden you're up and down because we walk by sight, not knowing by faith that God is in complete control of everything. And folks, it's going to get worse before it gets gooder. It is. That's not good grammar, I know, but it is. It's going to get worse, and it shouldn't freak us out. He already told us. We already know this. You can flip to the back of the book. We can cheat and look at the back. Oh, my gosh, we win, right? I mean, we don't have to fear tomorrow. If we are walking constantly, and watch this, and consistently with Jesus. And so how does this work in our life. I got a couple of things I want to share with you, and I got two stories to illustrate what I want to share with you today, and then we're going to get out here, and we're going to get you some good chicken or food or whatever you want to eat today. And so if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Here's the first thing, that if we're going to walk by faith, we got to understand how this works and how God initiates this in my life. So here's the first point. Faith is initiated by a word from God. Faith is start it initiates, it sparks, because God has spoken a word. We just went back and saw that, right? God spoke a word, bang, and there it is. You know what I'm saying? And the universe was created because of a word, a rhema, the Bible says, from God. Now, here's what we got to understand. When we read through our English translations, and I want you, please, this is a big disclaimer to here. You know, I went to seminary, did some studies in seminary and stuff like that, and they make you study Hebrew because the Old Testament is written in Hebrew, which I have no clue about that. Some is Aramaic, and some of it's Greek. In the New Testament, you get the Greek. And there's a lot of times when we read our English translations, and me too, when you read through it, when you see the word word, what word in the Greek is he talking about? You know, for instance, in John chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God because the Word was God. What Word is Word? And there's two Greek words for Word, but it's very important because you understand the context when you know the background. And there's so many free Bible study tools out there to help you figure this out and do this, and you can walk through this and look at it when you study your Bible. But what do you mean when he says Word? What Word from God actually activates, or sorry, initiates my faith? Well, let's break down those two Greek words real quick and because then we'll understand how God uses his word in our life. The two Greek words, the first one is logos. And when you think of logos, logos is the constant, always written word of God. Every Sunday, I stand up here and I preach, watch this, the logos 
the Word, the completed Word of God right here. So when you read through the Bible, especially in the Greek New Testament, and you get to the word logos, it's referring to the constant written Word of God. However, that's not the word that the author of Hebrew uses when it says God spoke a word and created the universe. What word was mentioned? That's the second word, which was rhema. Now, rhema is different than logos. Rhema is a personal, present, powerful, spoken word. Pastor, could you break that down and help me understand it? Absolutely. Every single Sunday, I stand up here to a multi-generational church. Do you know that we are a multi-generational church? We have people in their 70s all the way down to seven days old and all in between. And when you stand here, and this was the thing that hit me whenever we started this church. I was like, how in the world, you know, we're going to have, you know, people show up from different generations, right? We have a 70-year-old all the way down to a teenager. And I'm talking about parenting and grandparent. And I'm also talking about what it's like to have the peer pressure that you face and as a teenager in school and all in between. And every Sunday, that, that bought in the beginning, I was like, man, how am I going to apply the Word of God to every single person in here because everyone's at a different stage of life. And then it hit me. I'm just going to lift up Jesus. And if I will lift up Jesus, He will draw men and women to Himself and He will speak to you every Sunday what you need to hear. That's why when I walk out here and meet people in the lobby right after service, people talk to me. People come and say, man, when you said this, it spoke to me. I'm like, I don't even know if I said that. <laughs> you know, I, mean, where, I don't know where that came from. And then you had this lady like, man, they're in their 50s. Like, we've been struggling with this, but God God spoke to me and said that. And then you have a teenager come up and say, you know what? God spoke to me. I'm going to stand up and I'm going to share Jesus with people at my school. I'm like, whoa, how does that work? Let me show you how it works. I open up the Logos and I preach the Logos. And anytime that you feel that God speaks to you, like you're sitting there going, man, God preaching to me, man, that like he's been reading my mail. I mean, he's been following me on Facebook. How in the world does he know this is going on in my life, right? I mean, come on. How, when you feel God speak to you personally when I'm preaching, you know what that's called? A rhema. And so I open up the Logos and I preach the Logos, but you receive a rhema, a word, a personal word from God. When you sit and say, you know what? I feel like I'm challenged today. I'm not going to throw the talent on my marriage. I'm going to work in my marriage. God just spoke to me and said, it's going to be okay. I just got to keep believing and trusting him. That's a rhema. You come in going, I know we're kicking off the beginning of the year, but man, I just know financially how we're going to do this and how we're going to make it. But you know, I'm going to trust God that he's my provider. When God speaks to you, let's break it down. I'm reading my Bible and I'm doing my Bible study. And I read this chapter seven several times. And next thing you know, something jumps off at the page at me. And like, oh my gosh, God spoke to me. I mean, that's awesome. That's what a rhema is. And it's the rhema, it's the specific, personal, present, spoken word that God uses, watch this, to initiate your faith. God will speak to you and it will initiate your faith. Romans 10, 17, this is the great missionary passage. This is a great salvation passage. This is the passage that preachers go to to talk about, let's do world missions. How in the world are they going to hear if they don't have a preacher? We got to send a preacher because why? Romans 10, look what Paul says. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Now, what word is he talking about? Rhema. Faith comes when you get a personal, powerful, present word spoken in your spirit 
from Christ. And when you do, faith comes, initiates, when I hear the word of God. And if you need to get a rhema, you need to get in the Logos. Because this is where God speaks to you. If you're not having a personal word from God, it's because you're not under a teaching that teaches the Bible or you are not in the Bible. Because when you get in this Logos, I promise you God will give you a rhema. He will speak to you. And it's through speaking to you, he will initiate your faith. So here's my question. When's the last word that you got from God? When's the last time you got a rhema, a word, a powerful spoken, personal word, present word from God, which literally means the divine utterance that God has spoken into your spirit? When's the last time you've got a word from God? And God will use that, watch this, to initiate my faith. However, here's the second thing I want you to know. Faith is activated, though, by my belief in that word. My faith will be activated by my belief in that word that God has spoken to me. And I will either activate my faith or deactivate my faith, choosing on how I'm going to receive to believe that word from God. Keep going in Hebrews chapter 11, right? Faith is the assurance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things, the conviction of things not seen. Verse 6, he says, and without faith, it is impossible to please Jesus, him, which is God, which is Jesus. For whoever, watch this, would draw near to God must believe, must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. When God speaks to me, I got to believe that that rhema exists, that this is from God. And that's what activates my faith. Could you give me an example? Absolutely. Let's say the factory closed down and you lost your job. Everyone shut down. You work for Sears and sorry, they just went bankrupt, right? I mean, you've lost everything. Your stock in it, you've lost your job in it, you get, you get laid off or you've lost your job. And all of a sudden, you begin now to panic a little bit. How are we going to make it? What's going to take place? And then you come to church on a Sunday or you're reading your Bible. And next thing you know, you have a raiment for God that says this, it's going to be okay. I am your rock. I am your refuge. Put your faith in me. I am your provider, which is the word, by the way. That is truth, by the way. And when God speaks to your spirit that he is your provider, you have a choice. Will I believe him or not believe him? And determine on how you receive it activates your faith. Am I going to believe what God just spoke to me is true? Am I going to believe that he is true, that he will protect me, that he is my, my provider in my life? Will I believe that? And how you believe that will determine how your faith will be activated in your life. So my question is, do you believe him when he speaks to you? Because here's what I know. God is speaking all the time. The question is, do we hear him? Are we listening for him? And then will we receive it? When you're praying about something, God says, no, you need to go forgive them. What you believe about that is going to determine, do I really believe that I need to go forgive them because they hurt me, they wronged me, they walked out of me, they said bad things about me. Now I'm going to believe the raiment that God spoke to me, the word that he has initiated, the faith in, in me. So watch this, if God speaks it, 
he initiates and gives every single believer on the planet enough measure of faith to take the next step. Faith is just taking the next step. If you are not taking next steps, you are not living by faith. Faith is like, I'm going to take the next step, which leads me to my third point, final point, but not the sermon's not over, so don't check me out. This is just all introduction. It's my faith is demonstrated by my obedience. My faith is going to be demonstrated to you, to the world, to God, that I believe the raiment you spoke to me. You activated my faith to the point that I will step out by faith and trust you. My actions, my works, my life, if I live by faith, will be lived that I truly believe his word, that's activated, that I believe it so much that I will step out by faith trusting him. When he tells me to go somewhere that I don't know where I'm going, just trust me. When he transferred jobs and I just trust him. When I apply for college and I started college and I don't know what's going to happen, I'm going to trust that this is what you said for me to do. You tell me to start tithing, I believe you're worried about tithing, but I'm just going to step and tell you that I trust you by faith and step out and my actions will prove, my obedience will prove that I trust you. You know, James says it like this. He says in James chapter 1, he says, Be doers of the word, not just hearers of the word. So many of us hear God speak, but then we choose not to obey him. And we wonder why we're not stepping out by faith. And we wonder why we're not living by faith. We'll live by sight. God speaks, but we won't step out by faith. James says it like this. You have faith? Awesome. I'm glad you have faith. That's amazing. Even the demons have faith. Even the demons believe. Even the devil believes. But I'm going to show you my faith by my works. If you truly believe, then show it. You truly believe, then live it. Live as people of faith by faith. If you truly trust me. So how then would this work? Let me give you a personal story. Because I, I, mean, I could talk all day about this in my own life. But one that's kind of relevant to you. And then I'm going to show you a story in the Bible that demonstrates what I'm trying to share today. Back in 2004, the summer of 2004, I'm sitting at First Baptist Church, Paintsville, as a student pastor. Some guys from the Kentucky Baptist Convention came down and started talking about church planning. I didn't even know you could start a church. I thought, I didn't even think about starting a church. I never read a book in my life on how to plant a church. I never followed anybody in blogs on how to plant a church. I didn't even know you could start a church. It just, it was the first time. Now here I'm 20 some years old and bam, my eyes were open like, you mean you can start a church? This is crazy. And then they started talking about, man, I think the area of Moorhead, Kentucky needs a church. We need to think about planting a church in Moorhead. And as soon as they said that, my heart at that moment, I didn't tell them this, leaped out of my chest. Because for some reason, Moorhead has been in our heart when we were here in college from 95 to 99. Yes, my wife graduated in three and a half years. It took me four and a half years. I just told her I waited an extra year for her. You know what I'm saying? We worked it out. And when we graduated in December of 1999, she looked at me. She said this, as God is my witness, we will be back in Moorhead someday doing ministry. Now, she would thought at that moment it would be on a collegiate side of ministry, that somehow I'd be working with college students because my passion was to reach people who were far from God like me. 
And but God, it wasn't his plan at that time. And we're sitting there in the summer of 2004, and they start talking about church planning, and start talking about more. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. What were you doing in the summer of 2004? Because God was birthing what you see right now here in me then. But it was a three-year waiting time. Three years after God gave me a dream, a passion, a vision, before it came to pass. I'm sitting in this little thousand square foot, two bedroom, one bathroom farmhouse on my father-in-law's farm, praying, begging God, God, do something great in my life. Do something only you could get the glory for, that only you could get the credit for. And whoever thought in February of 2007, God said, it's time to go. I got a rhema, a personal rhema from God, an invitation from God that initiated my faith to come here and start a church. But I had to make a choice. Would I believe this? Would my faith be activated by my belief? But I demonstrated when no one was looking, when no one cared, when no one had any idea what God was speaking to me behind closed doors, I demonstrated by faith, by stepping out and coming. I had no money, had nobody we knew. We had no building to meet in. It was just me and my wife and my kids and the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Can I get a witness? But watch this, what if I didn't activate that faith and stayed there because I was afraid? What if I chose not to demonstrate the rhema that God spoke to me and said, I don't know about this. How are we gonna do it? We have no money. Who's gonna show up? We know no one. We have no place to go. We have no place to live. And see, we're talking about small things in some people's lives to say, hey, just go over there and forgive that person. And that's not small. I know people get hurt. I'm not diminishing that. Or, hey, go over and witness to your coworker. Take that step of faith. Take what we say next steps. Take the next step and be baptized. You've already been commanded to be baptized. Be baptized. Take your next step. Get in a group. We can't do life alone. You got to have people in your life. Take the next step and start trusting God with your finances. Come on, man. Really? I mean, trust God. He's your provider. You are not the owner. He's the owner. He can take it all away from you if he wants to. Trust him with it. These are small steps, but to step out and leave everything. And that's what Abraham did, and that's why he's called a friend of God, and that's why he is the father of faith, because God said, go. He said, okay, I'll go, but tell me where I'm going. He said, I'll tell you when you get there. You see, we want certainty in our life. I think the opposite of faith is certainty. If you had certainty, then where's your faith? God, give me clarity if this is who you want me to marry. Give me clarity if this is your job. Give me clarity if he wants to move. If I give you clarity, where's your faith? Trust me. Demonstrate your faith by stepping out and believing me. And when you do the natural, I will do the supernatural in your life. So do you want a rhema from God? Because you get it all the time. The choice is would I believe it to activate my faith, but I'm going to demonstrate, God, I trust you that you spoke to me by taking a step. Now, the passage I want to share with you real quick to sum this up in the Bible is found in Matthew chapter 14. And what takes place, and this is a very familiar story, whether you've been in Sunday school, church camp, wherever you've been, you've, if you've never been in church, you are going to hear and understand this story. 
In Matthew chapter 14, Jesus, is the context, just fed 5,000 men, not including women and children. So roughly between 15 to 25,000 people were just fed. Jesus goes to his disciples. He puts them in the boat. He says, go across the other side to the lake. I'll catch up with you. I'm going to go up on the mountain. I'm going to pray. Now, the mountain that he goes up on to pray oversees the entire lake. Jesus is up there praying into the fourth watch, the Bible says, which is 3 o'clock in the morning. Jesus, because he's God and the creator of everything and knows everything, knows there's a storm that's coming, and the disciples are going to be fearful and panic in the boat as they go across the lake. We pick up with the story in Matthew chapter 14 and verse 24, and I'm going to read this quickly, but I'm going to show you what I just said, how it breaks down in this story. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from land, for a strong wind had risen, and they were fighting heavy waves. About three o'clock in the morning, the fourth watch, your Bible says, Jesus came toward them walking on water. That's crazy. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were afraid. They were terrified. In their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. But Jesus spoke to them at once and said, don't be afraid. Take courage. It's I am. It's I am here. It's, it's me. It's Jesus. It's okay. Peter called him and said, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Jesus says, Come. So Peter went over the side of the boat and he walked on the water towards Jesus. But when he saw the strong winds and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Jesus immediately reached up and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Peter. Why you doubt? Why you doubt me? And when they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. And then the disciples worshiped him. <laughs> Dang, man, you are really the Son of God. Now, what I just shared with you is pictured in this story. Peter's having this conversation with Jesus, and then he gets a rhema, a personal, present, powerful word. See, the fascinating thing, we, a lot of scholars and people want to beat up the disciples who stayed in the boat because they had a little faith. But I want you to miss this. That rhema wasn't for them. It was for Peter. And here was the rhema, come. And that initiates Peter's faith. But Peter made a decision. Am I going to believe it? Am I going to doubt it? And he believed it. And he demonstrated his faith by going over to the edge of the boat and stepping out on the water. Now, I don't have time to walk through that, but could you imagine that? What would you have done? You walk to the edge of water, I can see Peter kind of like dipping his toe a little bit. Is this, is this really going to work? Is this, is this really going to work? Some of you be like, cannonball, right? And you just jump in and go, I don't know. But Peter gets a word from Jesus, activates his faith to do something impossible. And then he walks on water and he demonstrates his faith to Jesus, to everyone else, that I believe the word that was spoken to me. And he got out of the boat. You know what the thing is right now? Some of you begging God just to speak to you. He's speaking. He's just waiting for you to get out of the boat. He's waiting for you to trust him. Trust me. Trust me in your career. Trust me in your parenting. Trust me in your marriage. Trust me in your finance. Trust me at school. Trust me in your singleness. Trust me. Trust me. Come on, take that step. Faith is taking a step. And when you look at this, there's so many observations. I can talk to you really about that story real quickly. One is when Jesus speaks, trust and obey. 
I can tell you from my own life, when Jesus speaks, trust and obey. He's been faithful. He's always faithful. People's like in the Bible, even the disciples says, God, increase my faith. He goes, increase your faith. If you had faith the size of a mustard seed, you could do miraculous things. See, so many people say, God, I wish God would increase my faith. You want to increase your faith? Increase your obedience. If you will increase your obedience, I promise you, it would increase your faith. So when I'm sitting here in this little farmhouse and God says, do you trust me? And here's a rain and he steps out by faith and look what God has done. How in the world when God speaks to me, I say, God, if you did that and you did that, you're going to do that. How did I increase my faith? Because I increased my obedience. And if you'll increase your obedience, I promise you it would increase your faith. Here's something else we learned in this passage. If you'll do the natural, he'll do the supernatural. In fact, that your, your faith and works combined unleashes God doing the supernatural thing in your life. Here's something else we learned. Fear will sink you. Fear will keep you in the boat. Fear from keep you from stepping out, fulfilling your dreams and your calling and your purpose in your life. I'm afraid. What if I don't have enough money? What if I don't make the grades? What if I don't get the job? What if the business falls? What if the investment doesn't go through? What if, what if, what if, what if? And what happened? Fear keeps you in the boat. Even when you got a clear raiment to come. Step, faith is stepping out. But what if I sink? You will sink, but you won't drown. Because Jesus is with you. You see, the, this, this message and last week's message really has the same last point. Peter steps out of the boat by faith and he walks towards Jesus, but he does what every one of us does. We do this all the time. We take our eyes off of Jesus and we put him on the storm. And we put him on the waves. And we put them on the problems we have at school and the problems we have at home behind closed doors in our marriage and the problems we have at work. And when he took his eyes off Jesus, he began to sink because he was afraid. I believe personally that if he would have turned his eyes back to Jesus, homeboy would have rose right back up on the top of the water. But he took his eyes off of Jesus. And really that's the same point of last Sunday. How do I walk through this faithless world that wants me to walk by sight and how do I walk in my life and I have faith and I have unbelief and faith and doubt let me tell you keep your eyes on Jesus he knows you he knew Peter was going to do this and he still told him to come come trust me we also learned that a little faith is better than no faith just a little faith. Look what he did. Walked on water. Look at the miraculous things that will happen. Both faith, folks, faith is simply taking a next step. And my question to you this morning on all of our campuses is what step is Jesus asking you to take to trust him? Now listen to me. Do it. Step out of the boat. But I'm scared. Step out of the boat. But what if I sink? You will, but you won't drown. Step out of the boat. But what if I lose it all? He's still good. He's still God. He still loves you. He still will provide for you. Trust Him. Because if He has spoken, Paul said, it will come to pass. Trust Him. And see what He does in your life. I'm going to ask if you would to bow your heads. God has a word for you and a promise for you. 
My question is, will you believe him? And if you believe him, prove it by your obedience. You want to increase your faith? Increase your obedience. There you go. Trust him. Trust him. And I'm going to trust right now that when the word of God, when the Logos is preached, that it says that it will not return void, which means that God will use it to speak. And I believe that God has spoken to you in your heart this morning. He's initiated something in your life. He spoke a word to you. It might be a word of encouragement that, hey, you're on the right track. It may be a word of, 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 of correction and, and say, hey, come on, you're off the track. Let's get back on the track. This is your next step. And maybe like, oh, I have so much little faith, but God knew I would have little faith, but he still loves me. He still died for me. He's still using me. Ah, and that just leads you to repentance. What has he spoken to you? And whatever he's told you to do, I'm going to ask you to take that next step. And maybe you're here this morning or watching online or at our Gracing campus. And God has spoken to you to give your life to him. It's the greatest step of faith in your life is to trust him as your Lord and Savior. And your faith is initiated by a word, a rhema, a specific, personal, powerful, present word where God, watch this, and calls you by name and invites you to come. And if Jesus has invited you to come this morning to put your faith and trust in Him, whether you're watching online or any of our campuses, I want you to pray with me this. Now, you know, we say this all the time, saying a prayer is not what saves me. But if Jesus has initiated my faith, and I'll activate it by believing in Him. I'm going to demonstrate it by proclaiming Him as Lord. And if that's you, what I want you, I want you to pray with me. And I want you to say, Jesus, I believe. I believe you came for me. I believe you died for me. And I believe you got up out of the grave for me. And today, I've heard you speak to me. And I'm going to turn from my sin. And I'm going to put my faith in you. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Now, here's what we're going to do. Just in a moment, I'm going to pray. And while I'm praying, I'm going to ask you to do something for me. Every one of you who just prayed with me to give your life to Jesus, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. While I'm praying, we're going to have members... Our team members to the Red Room are going to stand up and they're going to walk out in just in a moment when I begin to pray. And if you pray that with me, here's what I want you to do. I want you to grab your things. When I begin to pray, I'm going to ask you to stand up. I want to ask you to beat the crowd, even at the Grayson campus. I want you to beat the crowd out and go to the Red Room. And we're going to help you get started. There's no secret followers of Jesus. We are family. We want to help you. We want to love on you so that you would take your next step in following Jesus. Ultimately, that's our mission, that you will experience a better life. So when I begin to pray, I want the Red Room 10 members to stand up and walk out. And I want every one of you who just prayed to give your life to Jesus to stand up on both of our campuses and walk out to the Red Room so that we can give you the resources you need as you begin your walk with Jesus. So if that was you, I'm going to ask you to stand and start going. Father, thank you so much for your love and your grace and your mercy. Thank you so much for the Logos that has been preached this morning to go out. 
God, that you said will not return void. God, thank you for initiating faith in people's life this morning, that you speak personally to them. God, we thank you in advance that people are displaying that by trusting you, by receiving you, and by believing you. And I pray today, God, that you will continue to do great works in our life, not because of our faith, but because of your son who we put our faith in and our trust in. We love you, Jesus. For it's your name we ask and we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us online today. If while watching this message, you were led to take a next step or made the decision to start following Jesus, we would love to celebrate with you. You can let us know on our website at betterlife.church slash next steps. To stay connected throughout the week, download the Better Life app available on any major platform. Lastly, if you're interested in supporting what God is doing in this ministry, you can give online at betterlife.church slash give now. We're praying that you have a great week and we hope to see you again soon.